Welcome travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your not-so-humble guides on the quest for RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. On our show, we feature diverse tabletop RPG systems, demonstrating them through actual plays and breaking down the rules to provide you with tips, tools, and techniques to help you navigate them. We also love bringing the content creators behind these games into the studio to give you a peek behind the curtain with relevant and insightful interviews. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world or system you're playing. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, diverse NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. Hi, I'm Conan Librarian, and I don't have a podcast. I do, however, like most of us, have the need for a place to store, organize, customize, and create my tabletop campaigns, thoughts, and ideas. That's why you should check out ObsidianPortal.com, customization that will match any need you have, a fantastic community, and an experience in and of itself that will get your players engaged, not just during the session. ObsidianPortal.com. Your players don't just stay at the tavern. Why should your game just stay at the table? ObsidianPortal.com. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. So we have got a really interesting interview coming to you all for tonight. It's one of these interviews that's a little bit outside of our normal wheelhouse, not on the mechanic or the game industry uh, side of things, but I think an interview that you're going to find really interesting. But before we get into that and introducing tonight's guest, Mr. Myers, Mr. Miller, good evening. Happy first recording date after a very successful trip to a catacon. Absolutely. <laughs> it was an amazing trip. I can't say enough about the people we met. Oh, yeah. The Games we ran, the games we played in, oh my goodness, the games we played in, and just the different vendors, the retailers we spoke with, and the artists and artisans, the writers, and the, wow. I've been to a lot of conventions over the years, and there's, this one was like almost the perfect size. Yeah. I really felt like we got to see everything in, in, and everybody at some yep. point, if not a couple different times, and yep. really got to dig in and have conversations and that really made it all worth it. Yeah, we got to do all the things that we wanted to do, which is really what made it nice. Let it be said that Michael Ross and the RPG Academy threw an amazing convention. Like, it was a ton yeah. of fun. It was really nice finally meeting face-to-face. -face. We've talked about this yeah. on the show before, that the RPG Academy is very much a show that influenced the direction and the character of this show. So actually being able to meet Michael and Caleb and Tom and, and all of them was really great. And so super just... Not accommodating, but super hospitable. Just a really great show. I use the phrase together again for the first time. Yeah. Is, how, is really how I considered meeting all the team at the RPG Academy. It, like, it feels like we've always known them. And we have actually known them pretty much since we got this thing started. <laughs> right, that's uh, right. But, it, but I just feel like we have a kinship that goes 
beyond the years of the three short years that we've known each other. Yeah. And that's just a testimony to how great, what yeah. great people they are in general. Yeah. And uh, just, wow, what a good time. No, it was an amazing weekend that we just closed out. And uh, for me, I'm still on my way home. I'm in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. That's the downside of the RV. It doesn't go as fast as the airplanes, but hey. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the RV didn't cost less traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but no, it was amazing. And I cannot believe how well my games went. I had so much anxiety going into them like I always do before a convention game. But as always, there was no need for that. The players were fantastic. They interacted well at the table. The, The whole RV, the whole convention had that same friends and family vibe rolling almost yes. anywhere you walked in it it was great but it was still the biggest one i've ever been to because prior to that one i've only been to small like newer conventions and while the rpg academy isn't huge it's definitely yeah. in the solid mid-sized range i think and it was it was impressive so um, fi- final badge count was 525 badges so yeah definitely nothing to sneeze at and that that game room was full on saturday there was there were a ton of things going on there some really awesome things to see some really awesome things to do so yeah yeah, and, and a great networking opportunity. And honestly, one of my favorite parts of the entire weekend was recording live with I the know. two of you in room 204 with <laughs> an audience that wanted to be there. It was know, really right? cool. And yeah. through that and some of our gaming, the fact that we had a fan who's actually from New England, but is a fan <laughs> of Tabletop Journeys, who listens to Tabletop Journeys all the time there, who's like, hey, guys. That was pretty awesome. Too. <laughs> that was we went uh, all the way to Ohio and found a fan that, uh, of yeah, somebody who meet, already listens to our show all the time. And meeting yeah. Jack Vincent face to face was was amazing. So thanks, Jack, for listening. Appreciate you coming out and saying hi. Absolutely. And without any further ado, let's introduce tonight's guest. So we have Joaquin from the RPGmatch.com up on the show tonight. Joaquin, first of all, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's really awesome to have you. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I've been looking forward to this interview for a while because I think you're doing something unique and that we have like uh, slyly and snidely asking for in the space for a really long time. So before we dive into the uh, the interview proper here, what is RPGmatch.com? So RPG Match is a matching system for tabletop gaming. So it's a way to find people to play games with, and ideally people who are a great fit. We ask all sorts of questions on the intake, like a dating site, but it is not for dating. I always get that. People like, you know, is it the (laughs) Tinder for tabletop games? And it is if you just mean platonic and, and a way to find friends. But we ask a bunch of questions, safety tools. How do you feel about character death? What are your preferences in terms of combat versus role-playing versus exploration, et cetera. Ideally, what you're going to be able to do is find your TTRPG soulmate or your TTRPG troop that will be your forever crew. That's an amazing. I have been referencing it as the tin, as a Tinder for RPG for RPG players out there because that's how it came across. But I appreciate the clarification there. That's yeah, going to be one of the questions in there. So. I've been yeah. calling it Dungeon Finder, but I played a lot of WoW. and and world of warcraft when they came out with dungeon finder it was the greatest thing ever you no longer had to go to the dungeon and stand there and try to find people who wanted to be part of your pickup group now you could just sign up for dungeons you wanted to go to it would create the matches but it was just based on people you could be randomly matched with a bunch of asshats this sounds much more sophisticated (laughs) sounds much better it existed in video games for a bunch of there are different platforms that do that kind of matching but really with video games you can do pickup games so easily that you don't have to have that consistent group of people. Honestly, uh, I'm old. I've been through all of the car crash games. And so when I got back into tabletop gaming, I just, I wanted it. And so I was like, I was sure, I was so sure that the internet had built it, but it hadn't. 
And so I I jumped in and hopefully we're helping people find their match. I love it. All right, gentlemen, let us, let us take to our dodecahedrons here and roll initiative here. So I'm picking up my fan roll dice. I don't have the uh, silicon dice. You're still packed. I got my hard side dice tonight, but that's fine. Uh, All right. It's a 19 for me. I'm rocking an 11. Glenn, how about you? Four. Four for Mr. Myers. All right. That is our order for round one. I have the very first question. So, Joaquin, I'm going to dive right in with like, the softballest of softball questions. I know you touched on this a little bit already, but why did you make this thing? And how did like how did the genesis of RPG match kind of come about? Yes, my love affair with tabletop games actually started in preschool. So I stumbled across uh, a, a copy of the first edition of the Monster Manual, and I could barely read it. I didn't really know what was going on, but I knew this was something I was excited about. I started playing in, I think, third grade. I had a teacher that had the red box, so I took it home and did solo plays before that was a thing and eventually found a group that I was playing with. And so played all the way through elementary, through high school, through through college, and then I got married and had kids. And as soon as I couldn't carry my daughter around and rock her to sleep while somebody would roll the dice for me, my wife was like, you got to put that on hold. And so I stopped for a long time. So I stopped around uh, third edition D&D. I played a bunch of other games. But when I got back into it, really, it was uh, 2020. And COVID had shut everything down. I was looking at my kids just on the, the screen the whole time. I said, we're going to do something else. So I got back into it. I, I got exposed to uh, D&D 5e and actually started listening to a bunch of actual plays, just trying to figure out, okay, how does this work? And I ran a game for my kids. I ran a game for my kids. I ran a game for, for my son and his at that time about his 12-year-old friends, which was fun. But I thought I'd love to play with some adults. And I thought I'll just jump on the app that I'm sure exists that the internet has created by now where I can avoid all of the things I don't want at the table and focus on having a great experience. And it didn't exist. And so then I said, okay, I guess I'll build it. I just have to ask the right questions. And I sat and thought about it. I was like, I don't know what the right questions are. That actually got me started on Twitter. So I jumped on Twitter and started doing a bunch of polling and really fascinating stuff there. For example, if you say, how important is it to show up on time to a game? 90% of people say it's really important. And I was like, I've been to way too many games to think that's true. And so I was like, okay, let me ask it in a different way. How late is late when you're showing up for a tabletop game? And that's where you see the distribution. Five minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour. You definitely don't want to pair the people who say five minutes is late with the people who say is hour, an hour is late. So that was the genesis. And we've just been tinkering, building, and growing since then. Amazing. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Can I just say that I am absolutely enamored with the fact that's how you dissected the the data there. Because in life, all kinds of things, like my, my nine to five job, not this job, we actually dissect some data in some interesting ways ourselves here. But that's because we have a Josh. Everybody should have a Josh, by the way. No, you can't have our Josh. He's our Josh. I, I His wife has keys. I have <laughs> uh, temporary loan a couple nights a week. So that's how that works. But I love the fact that when you look at a question, it's not the surface. If your experience doesn't match the data you find, asking that same question in a different way, and you'll get more detailed results that are going to give you better information. Knowing that's the kind of methodology that's going into this kind of service, 
even if there were other things in the internet, I'm very glad that you're part of this one because that would be a problem. Too many people go with that surface question. Do you like to be late? Do you like to be on time? And that would be it. They just accept 90% of people want to be on time. Sounds real great, but guess what? This is planet Earth. I don't know what you're talking about, but on planet Earth, that's not how it works. To be fair, I'm that guy who I think being late is five minutes late, but I am more consistently 15 minutes late. So recognizing that about myself, I would have to make sure I'm answering that question carefully. My friend, I have never known you to only be 15 minutes late. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Ouch. <laughs> it really I mean, should be filled out ouch. that one in particular. But I mean, I don't know. I made my plane. I've been early for every plane trip I've taken this month. Because you know a plane's going to leave your ass. We'll sit there and wait all night if we have to. But the plane will fly the F away without you. That's why you make it on time to the plane. <laughs> you know, I've been a lot closer to late for uh, a couple uh, aircraft in, in, in the past, but that was more military in nature. So I'll leave it at that. In terms of the questions asked. It, it's interesting the, the the different dimensions, and I, and I think that one of the things that's interesting is looking at the responses, but also, and this is going to sound presumptuous, but I don't think people actually know what they want to ask other people. And I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. We've had people who have filled out the survey who have written back to us and said, "You know what? I didn't know that I liked that. That was really an interesting experience in terms of just going through. It only takes five minutes, but just being able to answer those questions and say, huh, do I like puzzles? Do I not like puzzles? For for me, I'm not a big puzzle guy. I feel like it's a mini game that was dropped in the middle of the role-playing session (laughs) I showed up for, but that's my personal preference. And so I think it's important to ask those questions to create that. I think that also one of the things that we're looking at right now, what people have been asking for is they've been saying, hey, I don't want to go one by one and reach out to people. And so they're like, can you just do a game? And instead of doing a game, what we're doing is we're doing a group so that the group can change the game that they want to play. They can experiment with different games. But if you look at the other platforms that are out there, and I won't call anybody out, but it's really about, okay, I'm doing this game. This is the session. This is how it's going to be. This is the campaign description, all of that. And that's okay. But I think that what I'm also really interested in facilitating and helping people to understand that it's not just about the game system or the campaign, but it's about the group of friends and the synergy that you have at the table that I'm hoping we'll get to, dare I say, magical levels. Nice. I absolutely hear that because I got extremely lucky about three years ago. COVID took away one of our local mini conventions where I usually run a table. And so I was one of the early adopters of the virtual version of that Hmm. in a session that I planned poorly because it was much longer than you could fit into that time frame using the virtual thing where I was very novice at in that case. There's a bunch of things that didn't quite go the way I would have hoped they went as far as smoothosity to make up a word here. That's a really made up word. There is no chance that's real, but I like the sound of it. But one of the things that happened is that group really gelled and it was completely by accident. I don't know if there was something in the elevator pitch, which was maybe three, four paragraphs that really drew the right people, but considering that's a first come first serve kind of thing. And mine was the table that just happened to fill up. I had run a few times, so I did have some amount of notoriety for running good games, but in general, it's who got there first. So I think I just got lucky and really got an amazing game. Having something more practiced, more planned, 
it's not luck at that point. Just create the right environment because there's a plan involved. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Not getting lucky, but getting lucky. Yeah. Right. Go back right. to dating apps, which I almost yeah, had yeah, to say yeah. something exactly. about because we're matching I, I, preferences. We're hoping to get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to walk that back. I think I got halfway there. Um, yeah. But just finding the right group of friends, the, the type of yeah. people who can have a good conversation that I would feel comfortable inviting to my uh, big barbecue and chilling with. Those are the kinds of things where we just have like experience. We like a lot of the same things. You turn around and find out we're all watching the same shows. We all yeah. like the same types of things. We like the same kind of role playing. That's It was luck in that case, but I would love to have other people be able to have those experiences because when you look online and hear all about people's experiences, it can be really dicey. <laughs> and avoiding some of those pitfalls is... Wow. I just want that for this community. Yeah. I, I asked once. I've got a, a, a pretty good following on Twitter. Since then, a lot of people have scattered to the winds. And, and that's actually something I, I want to talk about because we're rolling out some features on RPG Match that actually will, will help uh, fill that gap. Um, and actually, those features are probably going to be deployed by the time this um, podcast is out there. We're adding a feed, which is initially powered by Twitter, but it allows people to essentially syndicate out to all of our 7,000 going on 10,000 users, uh, and it's curated. So you show up day one, and actually you have a feed that's based on the verified accounts that are there on RPG Match. And we've got a bunch. Paizo's on there, uh, Roll20 is on there, uh, Modifius, Free League, as well as another a number of other people that I've connected with who are just good, really tabletop-focused folks. But getting back to the getting lucky piece, I before I did this, I also did try like an Adventurer's League game. I was like, okay, I can do a pickup game. I'll do an Adventurer's League game. And I even set aside time. I went into the office. Nobody was there on the weekend. I, I was so excited about it. I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to play a D&D game. I'm just stoked. Was, and I can't remember if it was a three or four hours, but we had one person in the group who was just not into the whole thing. So the DM said, hey, this is very role-playing intensive, no combat. And there was just one person at the table who was just like, just wanted to fight everybody. And it, it was actually really uncomfortable because the DM and that other player started having a whole bunch of friction. And everybody else at the table was just like sitting back going like, I guess this is what I'm doing with the next three hours of my life. And so that's also what I'm trying to avoid. Hopefully it's those dreamy games you were describing, but also like avoiding the car crash, I think also is really important. Well, I think just the fact that you're adding in some form of matching questions and delineation will make a big difference between your standard pickup group at a adventure league or just off of one of the the game post boards. But no, I think there's, uh, I was just going to say like safety tools. That's a big test. That's a big litmus test for people who are like, yes, you must have safety tools or I don't ever use safety tools. You know right. that you don't want to connect those people. And then there's the people who are like, I don't know what safety tools are. So there is a whole spectrum, but that's a, that's another really key one. You mentioned some of those partnerships specifically with Watsi and Paizo. Since my 11 throws me up in the queue right about now, I'm going to throw out my question. I was wondering if you could tell me about those partnerships specifically with Watsi, Paizo, and most importantly to me, near and dear to my heart, Modifius. How does that work? What is the, if I'm signing up for RPG Match right now, I've heard about, because it's on your big page that you have the, uh, that you have these partnerships. 
What's my user experience and how do I interact with those partnerships that you have with those companies? So just clarify, no Watsi partnership yet. If they're listening and they want to partner with us, that's fine. But actually, we've avoided going straight for that because I think that this is a a real opportunity to, to basically support the renaissance that's happening there. So we're really emphasizing indie games. We're doing very little gatekeeping in terms of who gets on there, what game gets on there. So indie game creators can reach out. We're going to put their game on there and we're excited to help facilitate some of that test playing, whatever. We want people to find their games and be able to connect. I think that's an opportunity. As far as the specific partnerships, we have a bunch. So Free League, Modipius, Roll20, Demiplane, we have Start Playing. So there's a whole bunch of different platforms and publishers with the publishers and platforms. And we also have a, a podcast partnership. So we could do a tabletop journeys one as well. Really what that boils down to is a badge. So it's a short code and it's a badge. So if you go to Modifius's uh, social media or you log on to their, to their Discord, you look for looking for games, um, their social media and their uh, newsletters, they're sending out that short code. So anybody with that affinity, I will give it to you because I know you're a fan. So when you sign up for RPG Match, it unlocks that badge. And so you can see that. We also take those things into account. They're not huge. They're about like a couple of percentage points. If every time you have that badge alignment, and then those things get unlocked. But we have uh, Gen Con just authorized us for that. Roll20, we've got that. So some really big names in the industry start playing. It's interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, start playing is it your competition, but they're really not. We've created a, a system that allows professional DMs to, to put their start playing ID in. And so when you're going through the list, you can see who the pro GMs are. But if I'm going to shop for a pro GM, why not shop for a pro GM where I can see that there's uh, chemistry? So I, I think that there's the main thing right now is that flair. So unlocking the badge. The next thing that we're going to be doing is allow customization of the banners. So behind people based on the badges that they've unlocked. And it's just a fun gamified thing. I think there's 24 badges at this point. If you look at my my personal profile, the RPG Match account, it, it looks like I've been tagged for flair. Just this is it's all over the place. Um, but but it's fun. And we are going to be continuing to offer more in that arena with those partners, especially some of the better. Modifius has been fantastic. I'll call them out as phenomenal. Free League has been super phenomenal. Our Tessalarine has been really great. The publisher of Witcher and yeah. Cyberpunk Red. So I can't, and we just launched a Renegade as well, who's the publisher of Werewolf. So they've just been amazing. There's no money trading hands. It's really just a co-promotional thing. Chaosium was one of their earlier ones as well. So we're really just helping to promote one another. And they're like, hey, yeah, why not? It's free. People can sign up and they can find people to, to play whatever they want to. Nice. You're, I will say just real briefly here, we routinely steal each other's questions where I have a question queued up and Glenn will ask it before I get the chance to. I think this is one of the first times that a guest has snaked one of my questions. Uh, kudos to you, Joaquin, because I was going to ask the pro DM question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was so, actually yeah. the last in the initiative yeah. order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was my role. 
Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you on uh, some of the companies you've called out. Our experience with a few of them have been really wonderful. Specifically, I'm thinking of Modiphius and the Star Trek Adventures game. Jim Johnson, the line editor there, and a host of freelance writers whom we've had on our show several times. Had a number of discussions. Wow. Just great people. Yeah. Just great people. One. Two. Amazing conversationalists. Two. And three. Wow, are they creatives. They are just great creatives and they just spark the imagination. So I love the fact that, that you're having that same experience. I wouldn't have expected less, but it's just good to hear that good people are, are consistent. It, it, I, it's one of the things I love about our community that you can find people like that in, in this community. Amen. Yeah. And they've been fantastic. You mentioned Star Trek Adventures. I would, if you know a writer who wants to do a a review, that's one of the things we do on our website, on our blog, is we do tabletop reviews. And so I I pay for people in the community. It's not huge, but it's a decent rate. I think it's eight cents a word that I'm paying right now to do those reviews. And it's a ton of fun. We've got a bunch that are queued up. We have one that's going to be launching soon for Pirate Borg, which is another Mm -hmm. three league spinoff. But specifically, I want to get one for Modiphius. And so Star Trek Adventures is a key one. And then personally, I would love to play Fallout D20, Mm. uh, 2D20. And actually, that was one of the things that I ran into when I was coming through and doing this. I know April on the community side. She's fantastic. They've been great partners. But when I was like, hey, I'd love to play Fallout. I'm sure you guys have some sort of a system set up. It was like, go on the Discord. And it's it's just awkward, right? You're just like shouting out into the void and who's <laughs> on the other side. And We've been playing a bunch of STA lately. Uh, basically, beginning of the year, we switched from primarily D&D to a lot of STA for our actual plays in particular. And Luanique and I both ran some STA at the convention this past weekend. He ran more of a traditional STA mission. I ran a Cthulhu Aliens-inspired STA mission, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. And we've also, we also run a full Patreon game and a set cast actual play actual of play, Star Trek yeah. Adventures. Yeah. That they co that that's what they co GM. I just I just play in it. Um, <laughs> just play. Nice. I, and I joined the Patreon today. Oh, oh, oh thank you. Thank, thank you. you. You'll be able to play some STA then. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed is through all the various STA boards, I'm a member of a whole bunch of them. Like I would I'd love to say all of them. At this point, it's all that I can find. I am sure there are plenty more. This is planet Earth, and the internet is large. But I'm in like five or six of those Star Trek boards, and one of the things that I consistently see is, is anybody playing a game in my area, or is anybody playing a game virtually? And I always see that. And that's just on Star Trek board. If I go to my Palladium Games boards, I will see the same thing. If I go to Everyday Heroes, I will see that. And it's just a consistent question in our in our space is who's playing a game I how think can that, i get in on it how can i get in on it and we say all the time hey we have our patreon game hey we have a little community here we have a community here as well there are a number of resources i love the fact that this is here because the 400 or so 400 plus travelers that are part of the tabletop journeys community on facebook and however many josh probably has the number of followers on 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 X, we can now say, hey, we have our thing, but there's also this larger thing. And I look forward to seeing more people get the opportunity to play. Because I think that's one of the hangups with that STA and Modifius games in general, is yeah. it's very hard to get a traditional D&D group to try yeah. new games. So if you can match people who just want to get started, that's that's huge. 
Yes. Okay. And that th- you hit the nail on the head. And, and I was about a year, I've been working on this project for about two years now. Uh, and when I first, it was like about a year in, I realized that the way that things work in a, in a gaming group, like a tabletop gaming group, was let's say you've got five people, right? And four of these people, one of them's like, hey, let's play something else. Let's play this cool game, like 10 candles, whatever. And then three of those other people are like, yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to do it. And the last one's like, no, I just want to do D&D 5e. You're not going to kick the guy out of the group or say like, why don't you not show up for the next month or whatever? You're just going to say, okay, I guess that's what we'll do. And so it operates under a veto process. And so I would, even though people are like, yeah, I'm happily gaming, there's nothing wrong with a little side game. You could get a little thing going on the side. This is not (laughs) a, a marriage. It's certainly... It's a, it's something where you could say, why don't I branch out and explore? And the reason I think people don't branch out and explore is it's a, like, how do you do it, right? You're yeah. going to walk the back alleys or wander into a bar with your dice and say, hey, you want to you know play a role-playing game with me? We've all done that. I'm sure when we were kids, it was like, how'd you do it? But, but there's you get into a safe rhythm. It's funny. There's so many parallels in terms of a, a dead-end marriage, but like, <laughs> I'm a big proponent of marriage, but when it comes to gaming, get a little side game action going on. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Right. And just having options so you don't feel trapped in your game if yeah. it's not going well. Or you're that one person who really just wants to play 5e, but everybody else is insisting that you're going to play this or you're out. 100%. Whatever the reason for your dissatisfaction, having the opportunity to find a new game that's going to actually match you with people is great. On that front, for my question... I'm wondering what that looks like. So I sign up for RPG Match. I'm going to I'm going to preamble for a hot minute. I sign up for RPG Match and I'm trying to figure out what to do next. Now, I know I'm going to answer all of the questions to help me get matched to yeah. people who are interested in similar games to me. But from there, does it only match you to the games that does it only match people who are specifically interested in exactly the same games? Do I have the opportunity to say, hey, I've already got three friends together. We're just looking for two. Does yeah. it work like a group finder or a dungeon finder? Or how does it work in the matching process since you're trying to create a group versus a dating app as an example? Because that's yeah. the most common thread that we have to relate it to where it's matching it with an individual. And then when it's starting to create a group, how does group communication work? Do you immediately all start being able to talk to each other? How, how does that part work from the user experience as I'm, I'm getting in there and I'm trying to figure out how to navigate the system and successfully find a game? So the core of it is the person who signs up is in the driver's seat. And that that actually is proving to be a little bit of a barrier, I think, especially for people who are a little more of introverts, less prone to reaching out to people. Uh, The way that we handle how good a match is this person going to be is via something called match score. So we create a a match score, we punch it into an algorithm. We do things like, hey, how do you feel about character death? What are your uh, stylistic preferences? Just a whole bunch of stuff. In, in safety tools, where do you land on that? And then we factor that all into a match score. And so you'll have a match score from one to 100. So it's a simple key. You can sort right now by default, we're sorting based on join date. We may end up changing that to sorting based on match score. The reason that we, we wanted to change that is because we're getting 50 plus people per day. And so we really wanted people to know that as they're coming back, like your things are changing. Your match score may, that listing may look relatively static, right? Because 
the person that came in, they matched, you're a 98% match, you really can reach out to them. And everybody that's there is there for that. And so then you can reach out and you can message. And the principles in terms of how we put it together is safety first, privacy second, and then everybody deserves to play the game that they want to. And so safety first is really that individual is there to determine how much information that they want to share. So there is some sort of interaction that's required for somebody to match with a particular uh, user. I think what we've heard from users is they really want to go for not that one-on-one sort of outreach, not like that curated, but give me a game, give me a group of, of people that are there together that I can sink my teeth into and get know a little bit more. Okay, what's the game that we're going to be playing? What's the platform we're going to be using? And all of those things are things you can filter for, but people really want us to put that together. So what that's going to look like is we're going to be deploying this probably uh, when this comes out, it might be even like a, a just a few weeks, but it's probably real time about a, a month from now is our groups feature. And so the groups feature, everybody's going to be allowed to create one group. There will probably be a premium sort of version where you can have more than one group, but you'll be able to create a group and you say, hey, this is the VTT or not VTT. You can say, I, I use a table, right? That, that's one of our platforms, quote. But then you can also say, what game do you want to play? And then you also will say, how many players do you want? And that you pick the person who's that host picks the number of seats that are available. And so as you go through and you're looking at these groups, you'll be able to say, oh, okay, this person has a group going. Let me drop in and see what that looks like. And you can not only look at what your match score is for that person and what they have planned, but who are the other people at the table, which I think is critical. So that will... Probably we have to be careful about how we're allowing that because we want people to be able to say, hey, here's my group inviting other people. So there's a little bit of a viral component for that, but we also want to be respecting people's inbox and all of that. Uh, So that's one of the reasons why we've been treading carefully around that. But I think that's the next level of the next stage of where people would like the app to go so that they can shop for not just individual players, but really for this is group. I know what they're going to play. I know what time they're planning on playing. That's really cool. I love that as an upgrade because that was the driving force behind my question is, say, Lee Wanika and I get matched. That's great. We and, and honestly, we fit together well enough that that would be a fantastic match, but we need four more people. So then we've got to hit the app again. And now both of us are looking and try to get everything connected and sorted. I really yeah. like the idea of being able to look for it by group as well. That's really cool. Yeah. So one of you would be the host, and then we would just figure out what that looks like. Or you could create actually two different groups. You can participate in any number of groups, but one of you could create an STA game. The other one could create a different game, and you can figure out what that looks like. The other important piece is location. And so you can filter by location, but we're also in the process of rolling out actually publicly available location page lists. So you'll be able to say tabletop game in, say, San Diego or tabletop game in Philadelphia or whatever, and you'll see a list of all of those people. And so those will start to be places where people from a search engine basis will be dropping in and just looking at that. And so right now it's all private. But because we're not sharing any information that's like other than, hey, what do you want to be called? We're not asking for public information. There's no email that would be shared with anybody. All of that's gated. And so people will be able to browse these public pages based on location, which I think will be very cool. And then the other thing is we're going to have game pages. 
So Blade Runner, right? You'll If you do a search in Google, you'll be there. It'll say Blade Runner. It'll have a links back to the verified accounts, for example, for Free League on that. It'll show our latest uh, blog post on a TTRPG review of Blade Runner. It'll link back to like the starter kit for that. And so we're going to have these really rich game-specific pages that I think will uh, also help people anchor around something other than just the, the people and, and that match score. An amazing answer. Thank you. You're filling my head with so many ideas. I'm like trying to take notes so I can, so I can keep track of it all because there's a lot you've said that I'm like, I'm going to be revisiting this. There's a few episodes we do in a year, probably six or so episodes in a year that we do, where I'm like, I take a bunch of notes and I literally have a notepad of, re-listen to this episode when you're doing X, Y, or Z. This is going to be one of those episodes and we are only partway through this thing. Thank you very much for that. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we've leveled up our game and we're prepared to make your next role legendary. We've just started a partnership with FanRoll Dice, and they have over 300 product options to choose from. Gemstone, metal, new liquid core dice, and so much more. Better yet, listeners to the Tabletop Journeys podcast can get 10% off on their orders when they follow the link below and use discount code PODCAST10. A portion of these purchases come back to us, and this is a great way for you to help support the show. to Josh, we don't often get a situation where the guest snakes a question, but you did it again. You got it. I don't know what that says about him or else. That's two for two. Feeling like Deanna Troy here. I think think we'd better hurry up and roll round two here so we can go ahead and start asking some of these questions so that Joaquin doesn't just keep answering them. uh, All right, fan roll dice to the ready. It's an eight for me. And I'm rocking that 15, sitting in the second chair yet again. All right, Mr. Myers. Joaquin, I'm curious as to, I'm going to phrase this question two ways, and hopefully you'll be able to answer it both, but however it works out. Do you have any personal experience setting up a game or finding a group or connecting with some players through RPG Match and then successfully playing or running a game with them? And what have you heard from your current users in terms of their success and failures and struggles in trying to create successful groups using the app and the matching system? So first, in terms of using it, no, I hope to be able to do that. But right now, all my time is being soaked up through my day job and RPG match. So, totally so I'm a little bit like, you know, like I'm very hopeful as we get to 7,000 members, as we get to 10,000 members, and our goal for next year actually is 100,000. And so once we get to 100,000 people, I'm just thinking like, that match score filtering through all of those people at some point is just going to be phenomenal. So I'm looking forward to that, hopefully a year out or so being able to get back to running or participating in a game. Not yet, but I hope to. And then the other question, the other part of that question in terms of have I heard of success stories? Yeah. People have contacted me and said, yes, this worked. And then people also contact me and say, hey, this didn't work or I couldn't find somebody. And so it's this constant iteration in terms of we've had bugs where people only saw like the latest hundred users instead of the matches from wherever. And so if they were in some place like Australia, they were seeing like one person. 
when in reality, we have hundreds of people in Australia. And so it's been this interesting back and forth of continuing to hone and get it to a a better match. I think one of the simple moves we're going to make also, because so many people actually are interested in uh, table, right? Like sitting down at a physical table. We ask about what's your platform. And right after, I think that's number one. Then we have Roll20 is like the, the number two, but people really want to play in person. So do you by default set it so that people are in the location that they have selected for themselves? And if so, how deep do you go? Let's say somebody's in New York, right? They're in the state of New York, but they're in upstate New York. Do you set it to New York? Do you set it to New York City if they're in a particular city? And so we're trying to figure out what that looks like. And I think the thing we're finding is people want it a little bit more handed up to them. They want to swipe left, swipe right, rather than saying, hey, here's a list of people. Choose your own adventure, which was the initial thesis. And people have had success that way, but it's the people who feel comfortable reaching out and like, I'll message 20 people and see who gets back to me. So we're working towards getting it to be something where you can be more passive and start having those opportunities presented to you. Awesome. I would think, and this is just my experience with various platforms for other purposes, that if your first question is what's your desired platform, then maybe the answer would be if they pick a physical location, actual table versus virtual, then you would have, then you go by, maybe have it set to then go by location and then yep. have a selection, how many miles away? So you could go yep. five, 10, 15, 20, 25, so on. If they choose virtual, then who cares? And then it just do it distinctly and exclusively by map. Time zone would be the key in the virtual. And that way you could say, how many hours off do you want to be? And is it plus or minus from you that you're looking for? Because I am a late person and I have very little time early. So I have no problem gaming late. So me gaming with folks in California is never a problem because I'm up that late. My wife less pleased with that because my computer is in my bedroom. You know, shout out to wives who put up with gamers. However, that's actually my prime gaming time is here on the East Coast, 9 to 11 or 9 till 12. That's when I'm usually, I actually have had time to eat. I've actually decompressed from all the day's events. Things are done and I'm ready to do other stuff. But that's not everybody on the East Coast. That's time where a lot of folks, if not most folks, are like, I'm out. I'm going to bed. I can't. I, I feel like so. there's so many night owls on the East Coast, though. Like Ed Greenwood, he that dude doesn't sleep. Like he's up like really late. And then Ivan Potoknik, who is the producer who who works with them, he's also late, which is great because I'm like a nine to five guy, and I have a little bit more control over that time usually. This is actually like a little late for me. I wanted to be sure to show up for the podcast, but it's funny. I don't know. I maybe it's just because in being California, I meet all the night owls. Yeah. Yep. That, right. that, that I'm could a, very well be. I, I am very much not a night owl. When I take out my hearing aids and take out my contacts, I'm in the, my little sensory deprivation chamber. And my wife it comments out, it's like a robot powering down. 11 o'clock comes and it's, I'm just, she can keep talking to me and I may keep talking to her back, but the, uh, the lights are off and there's nobody home. So. FLGSs. When you were answering Glenn's question and you're talking about public spaces for those folks who are like, I want to play in the table, but we're also looking at safety. So people shouldn't be inviting people they've never met to their homes. That's just not mm-hmm. 
that's not safe. Even if you've known somebody for six months or a year, that's not the safest. A public venue is always the better bet in those situations. I was wondering if you had local game shops asking questions or looking to say, hey, we have space in our shop for gaming. There are three tables. We don't have them booked. I know my local game shop, they used to. I don't think they had a secure room like in the back of their shop where you could actually go away from the main gaming floor. You could rent that and go there. It was $15 for my game group. We used to like just all throw in and grab some chips and soda. And then we'd have this nice little unique space just for us where we were cut off from everybody where we could game all afternoon. So like I said, it was $15 and we had a room to ourselves. Not every shop has that kind of bandwidth, but I'm sure there, there are shops like ours who always have space. There's usually one or two tables available or what have you, unless there's a magic tournament going on. But I would think that would might be something that they would be interested in is if you've got gamers in a given area, they could see who the gamers are without being able to do those addy spammy things because they know you're protecting folks from all of that. But at the very least, to have that information available so that people are like, hey, we've we finally got a group together. I've matched, I've got the right matches, and we found what should be a like-minded table, but yeah. where do we go? How do we and what's next? Like venue matches. How, how does that look for you? I, I think one that is absolutely something that we are planning on the roadmap, and I, I think you you touched exactly on it. It's like where do you go? That's a safe space, right? Especially for people that you haven't met before. I think there's also the opportunity to help really give a I don't want to say a lifeline because it's not like local gaming stores are an endangered species, but sometimes it feels that way. But being able to create a mechanism to get people into the store and or to create a community for people in the store. So one of the things that's actually on the roadmap is a short code for any local gaming store that wants one. So you can walk in, you can scan the QR code and you you unlock it and then you can actually filter by any of the badges that are set up. If you said, hey, I only wanna play with Tabletop Journeys listeners, you can actually go in there, set that filter and if there's people who have unlocked that, that code, you can find those people wherever they are. So I, that's actually something that is on the roadmap. I'm super excited about that. Even I was talking about the location-specific searches, being able to go to, okay, San Diego or San Francisco or wherever, and then underneath that, having all of the local gaming stores being able to do that. And there might be something that we can do further down the road of helping to facilitate even like scheduling of games through that. That's a farther out there unity. But I think it's a phenomenal idea. And if there are any uh, friendly local gaming stores that, that would be interested in being part of that pilot, let me know. I've gone to the local one here in San Diego and I can't get him to call me back. I talked to him on the phone, but... He just, it just happens to be him in particular. Uh, I think he's got a lot of stuff going on, but yeah, we're absolutely going to be doing that. And I think that you just yeah. nailed it in terms of the reasons uh, why that. Would oh be yeah. Cool. I can see this San as a huge big enough, I bet there's more than one gaming store too, though. Yeah. If we need- there is. Yeah. I was just saying, I can see this as a huge opportunity for game stores to, if they're running a magic tournament or they're running a, if there's a new free league book coming out and they want to run a bunch of tables Play of that, throw out yeah. invites to, 25 or 30 people that are local to yeah. the area that say that they want to play free league and say, come play, yeah, play test is another great example. Exactly. Same kind of thing. I think that there's a lot of opportunity in there uh, with something like this. So, yeah, I, our experience Absolutely. as we've done our very first print book on our most recent Kickstarter uh, has been very rewarding speaking with retailers, but I can tell you that it 
electronic communication was not the winning thing in yes. most cases. It was yes. physically getting in the shop and talking to folks a couple different times and showing our intent. It was being on the game floor of uh, a catacon and talking to people and saying, hey, I like what you're doing. Uh, you've got great stuff in the shop. Talking with some of the the shop owners who still have a boatload of Palladium games on their shelves because I could, I, yeah, I still, ha- I have most of that on my shelf as well. And just being able to have that face-to-face, that interaction, that seems to be what works best from that perspective. I, but I would say as you get closer to that piece of the roadmap, please hashtag call your boys TTJ because I am convinced that we know at least a couple uh, local shops that would be very interested in getting more players, more groups a little bit more consistently and seeing new groups come in as far as scheduling, notwithstanding, but just to have new groups come in to play their games live. I try to get there about once a month. Mention season has not made that possible. I would love to have some other folks go there and I would just give a shout out to uh, folks in the Tabletop Journeys community. If somebody wants a a badge and and is only looking to game with Tabletop Journeys folks, they're going to have folks who are ready to sit down and throw some dice. Y'all, they're the greatest greatest gamers ever. We can also, because we've done this at at conferences, so Big Bad Con or... We now have an agreement with Gen Con, so we've created these little things where you've got a little QR code, and I actually have a stand-up eight and a half by 11s that we can create, and we we did create, but we'll put them together, we'll create a short code for them. Really, all we need is a liaison to say, hey, yeah, I'm I'm interested in having this set up at my store. One of the interesting things about that is, obviously, we want to respect our users' privacy, But in aggregate, you can actually find out some really interesting information in terms of sanitized demographic information about people. Because what does a game store owner really know other than I have these people who transact at at my space? Where, what's their gender? What is their interest in terms of the the different publishers? Like some of the stuff, do they like more combat or more role-playing? What are the things that that people are into in their, their particular store? And that's also something that we're providing to publishers is anonymized data about their actual user base. So they know that people like their game, but they don't know where the crossovers are, what the VTTs they're playing are, or any of that stuff. And I think that's really valuable information for publishers to be able to say, oh, I didn't know that everybody loved Roll20 that was using this particular game. And so that becomes interesting information and can help drive their partnerships and what they focus on. Cool. Excellent. Dads with Nerds, Be Ambitions, great podcast. I think we'd love this service. I can't wait oh, yeah. to talk to Steve about this. Because Steve would be all about this. Yeah. A lot of local gaming. He's actually out in the field gaming and running games a lot more frequently than we get to. We're trying to change that in 2024, but I think it'll be awesome. Who knows? Once we get a couple things like this Kickstarter under underway, hopefully I might be able to get to do some more local gaming and hit not just my regular store, but some of the other stores in the area. And yeah. having something like that, I think, would be wonderful. Very cool. I think that's up to me, and I'm probably going to have the last question of the night, so I hope that this is a good one and uh, and that this gives you some fodder to really dive into, Joaquin. So I wanted to hear from you, what are the users on the RPG Match platform asking for that our listeners can provide? Is Is it merely you need more bodies in the queue or man, you've got a million players and no dungeon masters? Or what's the one thing that the community is asking for that other people can join the community and bring? 
Yeah, I think that it's people who are interested in reaching out and, and not embarrassed to reach out. I think there's a lot of sort of tentative, I don't want to bother anybody. People haven't quite reset their brains to go, somebody sat through a five minute interview and set this account up, like they verified their email, they're in. And so I think that just if users sign up to just engage, right? And, and that's really kind of it. We've got a really good cross-section of like players or GMs, people who like different things. I think that it's fun. And I would encourage all of the, the players to catch as, as many of these short codes and unlock as many badges as they can. Once you get one, you could probably infer some of the others. We're not trying to make it super opaque or, or difficult, <laughs> uh, but just getting in and being an active member of the community. And, it, and I think one of the other things that we're doing with the feed that I mentioned, right? So a, a Twitter style feed will be pretty interesting. But I would love, Josh, Glenn, Lewanika, I would love you guys to sign up. You can sign up for RPG Match. You can say you're unavailable. And that's totally fine. You can disable messages, you can set whatever, but I would encourage you to get on just so that people, especially your fans, can even come in and see you and go, hey, how compatible am I with you? And that's been <laughs> a novelty for people with, with Ed Greenwood, who is signed up and he's we, we went through and, and did all the answers for him. So they can just go through and go, oh, okay, cool. I've talked to some of the critical role folks as well. So we I may be able to conjole them into uh, logging on and doing nice. that too. But nice. that's... You don't have to be looking for a game to engage in the community. And so I would just say, hey, sign up and unlock the Tabletop Journeys shortcode for sure. Yeah. So we got to put that together. Maybe we can do one now if you guys want to do it. Yeah, fantastic. So we'll do rpgmatch.org slash Tabletop Journeys, all one word. And I love it. you can put it in the show notes and we can unlock perfect. it. Be even better because if we're everywhere on the internet as TT journeys instead of tabletop journeys, if you can perfect. do rpgmatch.org slash TT journeys, that'd be perfect. That would match everything. Yeah, no, that, that'd be awesome. And we'll make sure we send that tabletop journeys email address already has its own account, but I'll make sure and sign up for my own also. Then give myself the badge. I think our time for today is up here. So uh, where can folks find RPG Match? How can they engage? How can they get in on this really innovative program to go ahead and get connected with other players in the space? It's super easy. You just go to rpgmatch.org. You can go to .com. It will get you to the same place, but people often make that mistake. It is a .org. And just sign up. You can poke around, see some of the blog posts and look at it. We do have some stuff that's going to be public, but that's the main thing. Just go to the website. I'm also on Twitter. <laughs> like when I heard you saying X. I, don't, I haven't made the switch yet in terms of how I, I talk about it, but I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Blue Sky, Pretty much everywhere is RPG Match, so they can find me pretty much any of those socials. Awesome. All right. That's pretty easy. Fantastic. Let's see. What have we got coming up here on the show? We're pretty quickly winding up our end of the year content here. We've got one more interview for you all next week when we really, for real, bring back Adam Eason. This isn't a this isn't like a Jimmy Kimmel show with uh, with Matt Damon kind of situation. Adam Eason is actually coming back on the show, and so he'll be running on our, allegedly exactly yeah he'll, for this year. And then we'll be getting into our 2023 year in review, our all time uh, favorite bloopers episode, which is obviously one of our favorite episodes of the year. Uh, mostly because it just gets to be us being all silly and stuff. And we'll be, at the point that this episode comes out, our first season of Star Trek Adventures, Preservations, will have wrapped up. But Lewinick and I are already very much talking about what season two is going to hold. Probably some some new cast added to the show this year. So we'll be looking forward to, to season two. 
And uh, early in the year, also, at least according to schedule, there'll be some uh, some old friends coming back to go ahead and run some things we have on the calendar that we're bringing back uh, Awfully Queer Heroes to play some Pathfinder and uh, stuff like that, too, at the beginning of the year. So looking forward to all of that. Joaquin from RPG Match, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate you uh, stepping in here. And again, for the really interesting interview that's not in our normal wheelhouse. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. This was a ton of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And I'm so excited to explore your product and check it out. Yeah. I think it should be fantastic. Yeah. I, I think that we'll find a lot of use for this, especially when we start getting into like playtest cycles and stuff like that's finding players is always the tough part for playtesting and finding that people are out there and looking for like new innovative games that are not from your standard big five publishers is, is cool because we are not one of your big five publishers. <laughs> the, I would say over half the people on RPG match. So literally thousands of people have checked the box rather than going individual games. Sometimes they do individual games, but they say, I will play anything. These are folks that are really interested in that kind of direction. So I, cool. I would say let's take them at their word. Excellent. I don't have the data, but I would surmise that finding a 5e D&D table is far easier than finding any other kind of table. And if people have made the step to come to RPG Match, it's probably because in addition to they are looking for that next piece or that other game that they've heard about on some podcast is being great but they're not just not able to make the connections on their own to be able to get there. It took me six months to get SDA on our show even. So, uh, but once we did, we're all in. Thank you very much, everybody out there for listening. And like I said, we'll be back next week with our finally our end of the year interview with Adam, with Adam Eason. Until then, thank you all for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you then. Right, have a good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night, all. Later, all. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at TT Journeys, joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. Our full episodes come out every week on Friday. And every Tuesday features actual play and gameplay showcase episodes. Looking for early access? You can support the show and get episodes before everyone else at www.patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. Check it out today and see all the awesome benefits we bring to our supporters. Lastly, if you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, you would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And we bid you fair tides, friends, for Legends Await.